shall we begin? Let the games begin. All right, all right, all right. A new age has begun. An age of freedom. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Get to the chopper! This is going to be quite a ride. Everybody and welcome back to the Movie Pit Podcast. Hello, it has been it's been a while. It's been it's been a little while. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, how you guys doing? Uh, happy New Year! It's obviously a couple days, a few days, more than a few days, a week actually into the new year. Hopefully, all of you had a good New Year, a safe one, and also a safe holiday season. Uh, I am Christian. This is the Movie Pit Podcast. Uh, of course, this is the podcast where we talk mainly about all the big movie news items of the week. We also used to talk about the movies coming out in theaters, but that hasn't happened in a while. And from the looks of it, it won't happen in uh, this year either, at least hopefully for the beginning half of first half of the year. Uh, we also talk about a bunch of other stuff, movie trailers, although there hasn't really been a lot of movie trailers either. Uh, and we also just, you know, other stuff, reviews every now and then, and just a bunch of random opinions from this guy. And today's podcast, I figured it would be um, appropriate to start off the new year talking about, of course, the movies from the past. Uh, I usually try to do this with one other person, but obviously with the pandemic going around and lack of planning on my part because I've been trying to figure out what to do uh, with the podcast. Uh, but that's that's for another podcast. This, I want to try to keep this podcast as positive as possible, especially on this first episode of the new year. Uh, so that being said, this podcast will be specifically for the lists, quote unquote, of 2020. So we'll be talking about my favorite movies of the year. We'll be talking about uh, those honorable mentions. We'll be talking about surprises of the year. I have quite a few of those. Uh, we'll also be talking about my least liked and disappointments and a few other categories along the way as well. Uh, so buckle up because I got quite a few of those. This podcast is probably going to be a little longer, uh, but that's usually how it works out for these uh, for these podcasts, right? I, I was going to split them up, but I figure I might as well just just you know put them all in one podcast. Have the first podcast of the year be a big one uh, because given my <laughs> given my schedule, it, I don't know how often I will be recording podcasts. But I, I'm going to try to. Uh, return to the podcast and um, and try to uh, maybe even do two podcasts a week now that I'm working from home now that I figured out my schedule I have a good flow uh, I can probably start doing some more podcasts for you guys and releasing two podcasts a week like I had uh, originally envisioned for this year and for the podcast in general but uh, that's again another podcast in itself we're going to focus on one thing and that is the lists of the year so when I started doing lists for you know my for the movies that I watched I always did my favorites I always did or I, back then I used to you know try to be clever and do the best movies of the year but I figured who am I to judge so I started calling it my favorites I do my honorable mentions I do my least liked and disappointments and along the years I've noticed that what about all the other movies what about all the other movies that I've watched that um don't don't have anywhere to go I don't know where to put them but I still want to kind of give them a shout out so i started making these new categories and the first category that i have is undecided movies of the year now these are movies that are really right on the on the cusp of going on a list but i don't know where to put them 
I like them, but I don't know where to put them. And I don't want to put them in my favorites because they weren't really my favorites. I don't want to put them in my least uh, least liked or disappointments of the year because they don't fit there either. I have a frustrating uh, movie category, which we'll get to, but they don't go. They don't really deserve to go on there either. So this is kind of the undecided movies of the year where I just don't know where to put them. I did end up enjoying them. I did really like them, but I just don't know where they where I think they go. And I only have four this year, and those four are Hamilton, Kajillionaire, Sonic the Hedgehog, and The Hunt. Now, Hamilton, don't hate me, guys. I know Hamilton was the big thing. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone's still talking about it. Everyone listens to the soundtrack. I never got a chance to watch the show uh, live because I, I, I'm not rich. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm not lucky in the lottery. And I didn't get to watch it in theaters. None of us get to watch it in theaters because of COVID. And honestly, I think that would have made the experience a lot better. I mean, I have a good home theater system. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the same. Obviously, it's not the same. I did enjoy the performances. I did like the music, but I'm just just watching a stage play in movie form doesn't really click the same way. And again, I liked it. I did. I actually liked it more than I thought I would. But I don't know. I just I don't know. It just it, it watching a play in movie form just doesn't get the same vibe. And, and seeing it at home, maybe you know if I had seen it in theaters, it probably would have gone on one of my other lists but here there it goes so don't hate me guys don't please please don't hate me. i know we're starting off <laughs> on the wrong foot but please don't hate me uh the next one is kajillionaire uh this one's a weird one for me uh this movie follows a family for those who don't know follows a family uh played by uh, the family consists of evan rachel wood uh deborah winger and richard jenkins they pull off these small time kind of thievery uh they're kind of like charlatans, pretty much, almost in a way. Uh, but the dynamic changes when an outsider, played by Gene Rodriguez, joins them for a potential big payday. I love the dynamic between the cast, Rachel Evan Woods's Old Dolio. Yes, that is her name. Her name is Old Dolio, and there is a reason why her name is Old Dolio in the movie. She is fantastic in this, and the dynamic between her and and, every, and the the other cast members is amazing. And for the for, for the most part, the majority of the cast is just those four people those four actors and you know they interact with people every now and then but it's really focused on them and it's really focused on evan rachel wood and she is fantastic evan rachel wood you know she's done a, a lot of stuff and you know she's most of us probably now know her as dolores from uh from westworld but uh she does a really great job here and gina rodriguez i i, I never watched change of virgin so my experience with watching Gina Rodriguez comes from uh Deepwater Horizon <laughs> which she had a very small role in that and I saw her in something else and I can't remember what it was now but she's great in this too uh just seeing the both of them kind of interact with each other is really great and I actually got to watch it you know there was the whole summer and early fall of the film festivals and I saw all this during that kind of film festival online film festival run uh and a lot of the movies that I actually have in my list well not a lot of them but a good chunk of them are from uh, that film festival. So Kajillionaire kind of goes on the list because I really liked it. It was really good. And I loved Evan Rachel Wood's performance, but there was just something missing for me. I don't know what it was. I just, I don't know. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, let's face it. Th this, this one was a huge question mark uh, all over. And what ended up become, what ended up could have been a disaster with the design, which surprisingly, you know, everyone listened to the fans and the fans got the, the design fixed. Uh, this is, you know, 
it, it got delayed and it got, you know, got delayed. And thankfully it didn't get delayed too much because obviously we probably would have seen it at home, but you know, it's, it's great. It's entertaining. It's, it's, it's really entertaining. It's a, it's a family movie, which I think for a Sonic is, is probably the, the main demographic and the main thing that people should be going for. But on the other hand, um, I just don't, I, I don't think I had the heart to put it in an honorable mention. I, I, I think any other year would have gone honorable mention, but I don't know. Um, it just, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I think, you know, and a lot of people obviously, I think like Sonic the, the, the movie because of Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey going back to his Jim Carrey ways, uh, of old playing Dr. Robotnik. I thought it was just a little bit too over the top. Just, just, uh, that maybe it's just me, but, um, but yeah, there you go. And the hunt. Okay, so The Hunt obviously uh, was affected by COVID. It was actually one of the first major movies affected by COVID at the, at the time because that's when movie theaters started getting shut down and this one was kind of one of those those victims of it. Uh, it was labeled as the most controversial movie of the year at that point, mainly by people who had not seen it. Uh, only a handful of media journalists have actually, had actually seen the movie at the time. Um, so all this buzz was surrounding it. I was like, oh, it's so controversial. It's going to, you know, it's attacking all the sides. It's attacking all the liberals. Uh, no, <laughs> no, not, not really. The hunt, uh, wasn't even that controversial. It's actually rather tame. Uh, at least from my point of view, uh, it, it's, it's nothing more than another, uh, it's nothing more than a people hunting people movie. Um, you know, even when it, even it's attacks, quote unquote, uh, on the liberals and conservatives that it's kind of done as I don't want to say like purely satirical. It's almost done in a comedic way, but in the comedic way that makes sense for the, the world that that the movie's in. It's it's got decent gore. It's it has a pretty great uh, final fight that I think a lot of people have been talked have talked about between uh, Betty Kiplin's character and Hillary Swank. Honestly, I can actually recommend the hunt. I'm not afraid of recommending the hunt because, again, it's not that controversial. I don't know. It, it's just the. I think the overall buzz of the movie that was created by people who had not watched it hurt the movie, but also kind of made the movie. This movie's like, oh, people got to watch it to see how controversial it is. And once people watched it, they were like, "What the hell? What, what the hell are you guys talking about? It's it's not that bad." So, the hunt. Uh, I, I put it there because. I did really end up liking it. I wish I liked it just a little bit more. And I'm one of the, and I'm thankfully one of those people that was like, that just doesn't care about buzz at all. Like this movie could be any movie. In fact, could be, you know, like put on a pedestal and people say, this is the best movie ever made. And I'm just going to go in there and just soak the movie in for what it is. Um, so that's what I did with the hunt. And I did end up liking it. It's thoroughly enjoyable. Um, but I think, I, I think it just lacked a little, Something else, you know, it's got decent gore, but I, I don't know. I just, yeah, yeah, I just, it's just, yeah. uh, maybe, you know, I mean, I got to watch it again and maybe I'll end up somewhere else. So, all right, let's move on. That is the undecided movies of the year. Let's move on to the frustrating movies of the year. This is, of course, not, uh, these are movies that I liked or not, not liked. I shouldn't say not. I shouldn't say uh, one of these is I did end up liking, but there was just something about it that held you can tell they were holding back, and they shouldn't have held back. And these are movies that I didn't really have too much buzz over. I didn't, or not buzz. Buzz isn't the right word. Anticipation. I didn't have a lot of anticipation over, but I went in and I still watched them. So one of those movies, one of the first movies. Like I said, there's only three movies. Uh, so they are Jane Silent Bob reboot, 
uh, Gretel and Hansel, and Train to Busan presents Peninsula. So the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I am uh, one of those people that really liked Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. It is one of my all-time favorite comedy movies. The characters of Jay and Silent Bob uh, have crossed over pretty much in all other Kevin Smith movies, and it's it's hard not to not really like them because there's it's the way you know it's it's all on Jason Mewes and his performance and how you know how in he goes on that role. Unfortunately, Jay and Silent Bob reboot did, didn't do that. It, 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 it it's I don't want to say it held back because you know if you watch Jay and Silent uh, or Jay yeah Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, they don't really hold back on their jokes, and I felt like they were holding back a little bit on reboot. It felt like I don't know. It just didn't have it. Didn't have the umph on the the humor. Uh, there are some genuine laughs in it. I, I did genuinely laugh a lot in uh, reboot, but I didn't laugh as much as I did watching uh, Strike Back. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that the movie it does try to mature these characters a little bit. Obviously, the whole point of the movie, or not the whole point of the movie, but a a good plot of the movie is that jay finds out that he has a love child that is actually ironically played by kevin smith's character uh or kevin smith's real daughter in the movie uh or real daughter in real life who plays jay's daughter in the movie there you go but yeah i don't know I just, maybe it's just best that jay and silent bob are supporting characters especially in you know times of today i guess but uh yeah i just i don't know it was frustrating it was frustrating because i know uh that kevin smith loves these characters and the jay muse loves these characters and then we all love these characters but I don't know, maybe it's just better now that they are actually more supporting characters than main characters in their own movie. So, there, yeah, there's that. Uh, Gretel and Hansel. It's like the classic story of Hansel and Gretel. Obviously, they did the, the switch there. Gretel, played by uh, Sophia Lillis from the It movies, plays, like I mentioned, Gretel. Uh, a newcomer, uh, Samuel Leakey, played uh, Hansel. Uh, they are banished from their home in this movie, in this version of the story, and they, have t- and they of course, go into the woods, and then they find the witch's house. Um, and, of course things start going on uh the thing about this movie is the good thing uh, about this movie at least that i like and i think some other people liked are the visuals the score and the production design those are the three things i like about the movie everything else is just meh <laughs> and it just it, the movie moves at such a snail's pace that when the movie finally picks up it's it just happens it it finally picks up and it's over and it's too late in the process so i don't know i just i i found myself kind of wandering and that's not something you want in a movie even though it was beautiful to look at even though the the score was both uh haunting and enthralling and then you have the production design of the house and of the woods and of everything else but the movie itself just it moved so slow and it wasn't that long of a movie it felt like a two it felt like a two and a half hour movie even though it was like I think it was just like, I think it was like 90 minutes. I don't even think it was that long. Um, but yeah, I just, that's, that's one thing that really annoyed me about, uh, Gretel and Hansel. Uh, and then there's uh, peninsula. I'm just going to call it peninsula. I'm not going to call it by its full name. Uh, of course, Hansel, uh, I almost said Hansel and Gretel again. Um, train to Busan just rocked everybody. It was, it was one of those movies that you watched it and a lot of people really loved it. And we were so excited about peninsula when we found out that the movie, it was a sequel, but it would, it would, well, it would take place in the same world, but it would take place years after the first one. Uh, and this one, it kind of has that kind of Thunderdome escape from New York kind of feel to it. And it makes more sense when you watch the movie, but the movie itself really just, it's a run of the mill 
kind of lack lackluster action thriller, uh, which I was really disappointed by. Uh, and those those elements of Thunderdome and Escape from New York uh, aren't really rightfully or fully executed to make the to make those to make the movie even better. If they had, I think, if they had executed those those themes and that kind of feeling a little bit more, it may have made the movie more enjoyable. But the movie itself just, uh, just I don't know, it just didn't really feel. And I felt like they used a little bit too much CGI for the movie. Half of the movie feels like it's animated, and it's just I don't know if you really want that. I don't know if it's just like budget limitations or what it was, but I don't know. I just it left a lot to be inspired, uh, which was a shame because again, Train to Busan was was such a good zombie uh, movie that surprised everyone so uh let's move on uh to the dishonorable mentions i won't say too much about this or about these movies i'll just mention them because they're the dishonorable mentions of my disappointments and least like movies of the year uh i only have three i have bloodshot jujitsu and the doorman bloodshot was of course with the vin diesel movie uh jujitsu was the nicholas cage movie that kind of everyone was really excited about watching because it was like it's nicholas cage in an action martial arts movie it wasn't good uh and then the doorman was the ruby rose movie that came out over the summer as well that uh that also wasn't very good all right now let's move on to the disappointments slash least liked movies i can't say that apparently disappointments and least liked movies of the year so the first one on the list is fantasy island uh the movie adaptation of course of the classic tv show from the 70s mostly the 70s uh the thriller uh, approached the story of Mr. Rourke, played by uh, Michael Pena, in the movie, inviting guests to his luxurious island that brings out their fantasies of life. But of course, chaos and dark secrets begin. Uh, the biggest problem I had with the movie is how just uh, disjointed the movie feels. It, it's tackling five to six stories and trying to blend them together, but it's it mishandles them in a way that it, when it gets to its kind of sort of twist ending if that's what you want to call it it doesn't pay off the way i think the writers thought it would it kind of just comes off as it it just comes off as like oh okay like i guess i guess that makes sense i guess we can go with that i just i don't know it just doesn't make any sense i i just i did not enjoy this movie at all um it's just it's it's yeah it's just it's so disjointed that, that's the main thing that one of the reasons why i didn't like the movie it's so just uh, disjointed and when it finally like brings in characters and brings in brings them all together it's all like it, it just happens so quickly and it's just like oh it's like yeah they're okay it's starting to sort of make sense and then something else happens and you're just like why is this happening and then the twist comes and you're just like oh that's that is the dumbest thing i, I can think of uh it just it it, it doesn't make sense to what the character was doing before it just yeah it's just really dumb and I, I, I did not like it uh the next movie on the list is um the grudge it's a real man so i i did not like this i i was bored i was bored you don't want to be bored in a horror movie you really really don't want to be bored uh, so it is a reimagining of the Japanese horror hit, of course, uh, Juno, and then the remake of the uh, that came out in 2004. Yeah, 2004 with Sarah Michelle Gellar. This version, directed by uh, Nicholas uh, Pesci, I think that's how you pronounce the last name. Uh, he did The Eyes of My Mother, uh, brought the events of the movie to America with three different interconnected stories. And if you're a fan of the Grudge movies, you know that the kind of the back and forth of stories, the interconnect, the interconnection of these stories, and how they all are connected. To together because of the curse or the house or whatever it's a it's a trademark of of the of the series the problem is again the movie was boring and it also was not good 
it sucked. You can have a boring movie and still kind of and still kind of be good, I guess. But uh, that is not the case with this. It it, it is not. Uh, the movie it has th- about I'm I literally counted how many decent scares or scares that got me throughout the movie. There was three. There was three decent scares in this movie, and for the life of me, I cannot remember them now. That is how bad this movie is. It tried to connect these stories, but the writing is so all over the place that it doesn't do the movie any favors whatsoever. It wastes its cast. It wastes Damien Bashir, who, uh, although not a main character in the movie, his history is connected to not only kind of the main story that we're following, but also a side story. And I think his involvement could have been way uh, way, way more in the movie and couldn't have made the movie a little bit better because Damien Bashir is an awesome actor. Uh, so waste Damien Bashir. Uh, Jackie Weaver's in here in one of the side stories. She's kind of wasted in there. And then they have, and then we, of course, we have the, the awesome, always awesome and incredible Lynn Shay, a horror icon in her own way. And she's, uh, actually, I know what, now that I'm remembering mentioning Lynn Shay, she is actually involved in one of the decent scares in the movie. But, uh, she's kind of wasted in this. It kind she kind of, she, she, she kind of comes in halfway through the movie and you kind of sort of forget about her for after her story is over. And that's not something you want. So it, it does pay homage to the movies of the past. Um, it's actually what I found out afterwards. It's supposed to take place between the first two American grudge movies. So the, if you watch the American grudge movies, the first two, this is supposed to take place in between those apparently. Um, but it doesn't make up for the fact that it's, it's, it's a good movie for the lack of it being a good movie, Uh, at least a decent movie. Honestly, I would have preferred that. I would have preferred that a movie was at least somewhat decent. Again, I was just, I was bored out of my mind watching this movie and it was, it's, that's not something you want. You got John Cho in the movie as well. Uh, and you waste her and and you waste him. Um, oh, does Betty Giplin actually play? I think Betty Giplin's also in this and she plays John Cho's wife and I actually that that's actually the other decent scare in the movie that I got as well I can't remember the other third one I can't remember it it's it's not good don't don't waste your time it's, it's it is not good do not but not even it's like oh it can't be that bad right no don't do it just just don't do it um so yeah there you go all right and the final um least liked movie of the year actually none of these are disappointments these are all least liked movies of the year um speaking of boring uh the turning <laughs> Uh, another adaptation of the Henry James uh, novella, which is uh, called the turn of the turn of the screw, which I believe was the inspiration also for the second season of the haunting of Hill house, or at least the haunting uh, over on Netflix. Uh, it's uh, saw Mackenzie Davis uh, as Kate, who gets a job looking over the uh, Fairchild children, uh, miles played by stranger things, Finn Wolfhard and uh, Flora played by Brooklyn Prince. And they are in a secluded home that is haunted by something in the house sort of i've never actually read the novella uh at least all the way through i've read like little sections of it um so i was going in pretty cold overall of what the story is about uh but the movie had something kind of going for it especially with the chemistry between mackenzie davis and brooklyn prince they are actually kind of if anything the saving grace of the movie uh but their chemistry wasn't enough (laughs) it's it's not enough uh to keep the movie going or to keep the movie interesting in any sort of way plus there's the ending now i know I actually read, gone back and read the story, and I know the ending of the book uh, is always supposed to be 
vague. No matter what version you're trying to tell, it's always supposed to be a little vague. This movie makes it worse because there is nothing in the movie. There's little tidbits here and there of what the movie's trying to do and what it's trying to say with the ending to kind of try to justify the ending, but the ending gives us nothing. The ending of the movie, with everything else that's been told, gives us literally nothing. It is... It is the dumbest ending of a movie that I can remember that I watched this year. And it was so frustrating to watch it um, because it, it kind of just ends. And I'm just sitting there in a movie theater with my brother. Uh, we actually watched this when we went on vacation. And we're just sitting there. It's like, that's it? That, 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 okay. All right. Let's, let's go to the airport then, I guess. It is so bad. I did not like this movie whatsoever I, I don't know if this or the grudge is worse to be honest with you yeah I, I would say if you had if you made me choose between this the grudge or fantasy island to watch again i guess i have to choose fantasy island and i guess i would say that fantasy island is the lesser of the three movies but ah, just yeah, i don't know it just these movies aren't good <laughs> it was not good i i hated it just thinking just thinking about it and when i was writing it well, when I was writing uh, what I wanted to say about this movie, the little blurb, I just I just got frustrated all over again. I was just seeing that ending in my head. And apparently there's a, an extended version of the ending, I guess. But I just, I know it can't be any more better than what we got. It was just weird, man. I, I don't know why they did that, but there you go. All right. Well, that's it. That, that's, 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 those are those movies. All right. Uh, let's move on to the movies that... Um, just missed the list, and and we're starting. We're we're moving forward. We're we're getting past all those movies. We're getting past to the to the better movies, the movies that I you know enjoyed a lot, or someone or enjoyed a lot more than what we got. Uh, so we're moving forward with the just missed the list category. I have quite a few on here. Uh, so the first movie is Eurovision Song Contest, the story of fire, a fire saga. Yes, the Will Ferrell, uh, Rachel McAdams Netflix movie. Uh, Will Ferrell movies are usually, uh, really hit or miss for me. Uh, this one thankfully was a hit. It's based off the actual competition Euro song, uh, or the Eurovision Song Contest. That is a real show. It is a real contest, uh, which you should definitely look up, um, some of those performances. Uh, Pharaoh and McAdams uh, play aspiring musicians, uh, Lars and Singret from Iceland, who want to join the biggest international singing competition. Uh, and when they finally get their chance uh, of living out their dreams, of course, things don't go as smoothly as, smoothly as you think. Uh, honestly, I didn't know what to expect from the movie, but I genuinely really liked it. I, I had some really good laughs. Uh, the chemistry between Pharaoh and McAdams is honestly really, really good. And then you add in uh, Dan Stevens, who pops up in the movie, playing a Russian singer. Who he just hams it up, man. I love Dan Stevens. He he is one of those guys that I, that Hollywood should really just give the ball to and let him let him go wild. But uh, he hams it up here. But it's it's really fun. It's funny. The comedy's spot on for a Will Ferrell movie. And but the music, the music is actually really good. Even the original songs, uh, which I highly recommend. If anything. Watch the movie for the, for the music, for the songs, because I think that's great. All right, so the next movie, uh, I just missed the list, uh, is Host. Now, this is one of the bigger breakout movies of the summer. It came out on the streaming service Shudder. Uh, it also uh, hit real close to home at the time, because when the movie came out, uh, this was around the time where a lot more places were starting to shut down. Uh, a lot of places were telling people to quarantine at home, uh, to not go out unless you absolutely have to. 
This movie was also shot during the pandemic and is set during it as well. So in case you don't know what it is, hosts that follows a group of friends who attempt a seance over a Zoom call. And of course, things don't go as planned and things go horribly wrong uh, because they may have brought something unwelcomed from the other side. Uh, Director uh, Rob Savage, uh, who also co-wrote the movie, actually got the idea from the movie from pulling off a prank uh, with his friends who actually are are the cast members of the movie uh, and decided to go with a longer version of it. If you don't know anything about the backstory of it um, and you watch the movie and just don't know the backstory, I highly recommend you go uh, see it because he actually uploaded the prank that he did, which he actually used a version of it in the movie as well. So it's, 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 it's awesome how he got, how he got this movie made and how he got it on shutter. The movie's not even that long. It's like, it's literally, 60 minutes long i think even a little less than that i think it's actually 50 minutes long so if you got 50 minutes you got less than an hour to spare uh you can go watch this movie it it is it works really really well and and i think the fact that it it made so it got so huge is because again it it hit at home it we were all at home we were all quarantined we didn't know what to do i get maybe some of us even tried seances over zoom calls who knows but this is actually Really, really, it's a really effective horror movie. I don't know how well it will be, you know, with time, because obviously once we get to go out, who knows if we want to go back and watch this. But um, it was really effective when uh, when I saw it, when it came out. And the selling point is the friends. The friends actually feel like real people. And it works because obviously a lot of them are actually, again, you know the history behind it. All these are actually real friends. And uh, it just wrecks up the tension really really fast again with the short time limit it just it just turns it up right away it doesn't waste any time and it's quick and it's effective and i highly recommend you go watch it. Uh, the next movie is i'm your woman uh this is set during the 70s you can actually watch this movie right now on amazon prime rachel brosnahan who stars in uh the marvelous mrs Maisel, uh she plays Jean, who is forced to go on the run after her husband betrays his partners sending uh her and her baby on a dangerous journey and trying to keep a low profile. Uh, I'm a woman is not your typical crime drama. You know, instead of focusing on the ongoings and trying to figure out what happened, we follow Jean. We follow her. We follow Rachel Brosnahan's character. She gets random bits of information throughout the movie, but the focus is on her and her trying to figure out what exactly she needs to do for herself. What does she needs to do for the baby? What she needs to do to keep going and, you know, is she going to look over her shoulder the whole time? Is Are people who are maybe nice to her, people who used to, you know, that worked for, you know, that worked for the people that her husband screwed over. Uh, along the way, we get to meet more characters. Uh, there's a character named Cal in the movie who's in charge of moving her around. And if she needs anything, he'll, you know, he'll get her for her. That eventually leads to his wife, Terry, played by uh, Marsha Stephen Blake, who is great in this movie uh, and actually shares a connection with Gene that she didn't really know about. Uh, but make no mistake, this movie belongs to Rachel Brosnahan and she plays it in such a quiet and personal way that it gets the job done and it makes the movie so, so good. There's a scene about like, there's a scene that happens after uh, some, it just involves Gene and she walks into a laundromat and I won't say what it is, but it just, it's so effective in the movie and it's so effective and it just makes you, root for her even more and just trying to figure out what's going on so i uh, highly recommend i'm your woman uh it's very very good again it's on amazon prime if you want to go watch it uh right now 
Uh, this next movie is actually a movie that did not has not come out yet. Uh, I got uh, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I got some of these movies are from film festivals that I watched. Uh, this is one of them. This movie actually comes out this year, uh, and it's called Minari. And Minari actually kind of made some waves online because of the whole Golden Globe situation. If you want to know more about that, go go research it. But Minari itself is loosely based on writer-director Lee Isaac Chung's personal life. Minari follows a Korean family who moved to Arkansas to start a farm in the 80s. Uh, the straightforward drama uh, has everything going for it. It's got a great cast, mostly all Koreans. Uh, it's led by Steven Yun, who plays Jacob, the father of the family. And Will Patton is in it in a small role. Um he plays a character named Paul who helps him out with the, with the farm. Uh, the two children are played by Alan S. Kim, who gets the bulk of, of the work. He actually plays the, the son and uh, Noel Cho, uh, or Noel Cho, I should say, uh, with Kim getting, again, like I said, the bigger, uh, the bigger of the, the screen time in New York. Because so I think he's actually supposed to play, he is actually Lee Isaac himself, it, it, uh, but you know, obviously in a, in a movie form. Um, the main thing about the movie which may alienate some viewers because obviously that is a big, this is also another big thing uh, that, that is going around is that most of the movie is spoken in Korean, which is one of the reasons why the golden globe situation came up. It's usually the big, heavy emotional scenes too. Um, that doesn't take away anything from the final product of the movie for me. It actually makes the movie much more personal and makes you invested in the family and in Yun's Jacob, who like I mentioned is based off uh, Chang's own father. It's a great film. It, it really is. I highly recommend you go watch it. And I think the only reason I put it in the just missed the list portion is because it's a little unfair to put a movie that I that no one else has seen that that, that comes out this year um, in that in that section. So that's the only reason that's on here. But if it came out this year, it would have definitely gone on my favorite movies of the year because it is very very good. Um, I could have cheated. It's my own list, but whatever. That's that's why I that's why I put it on here. All right, uh, the next movie is The Old Guard, uh, based off the graphic novel of the same name. The Old Guard uh, stars Charlie Theron as Andy, the leader of a secret group of immortal warriors uh, who are set up and must fight to keep themselves a secret. Uh, however, along the way, they find a new immortal warrior uh, played uh, named Niall, played by Kiki Lane, uh, who they want to bring into the group. The trailer pushed a very action thriller movie directed by Gina Price by the wood, um, but she put the majority of the focus on the characters and really dug into the question of someone who has lived for thousands of years. Uh, what would they be like? What, what would, you know, they've seen so many things. They have seen so many people, you know, um, what, what have, you know, what, what, what did they go through? What, what, what are their views of the world? What are their views of people? Um, you know, do, do they make connections to people if they know that they're just going to outlive them? You know what? They, that's that's really great. There's a scene in the cave with one of the characters and one of the actors. Um, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna mispronounce his last name. Um, Mateus. No, I'm not gonna try his last name. Um, <laughs> but he's one of the he's I, he's one of the main characters. He's kind of Andy's number two guy in the movie. So you'll know who exactly who I'm talking about. But he has a scene in the cave with Niall where he kind of answers that. Where he kind of answers the question of we're mortal. Do we? You know. Do you want, really want to make connections? Because the whole Niall has a family she's trying to get back to. And that scene kind of, it's it played in a way of like, you know, yeah, you can go back to your family, but you're immortal. They're not. Uh, and that is a very powerful scene in a movie that um, you don't expect in an action thriller, especially a comic book movie, especially a movie 
where it's being promoted as an action thriller. And that does not to say that the action is skimmed on because the fight scenes in this and the action scenes, I should say, in this movie are great. There's a great fight scene in a church where Theron takes out a squad of goons all by herself. And it's definitely a highlight of the movie. Uh, and if none of that does that for you, uh, you can watch the movie because uh, Dudley Dursley, if you're a Harry Potter fan, um, plays a uh, a pure scumbag villain in the movie. If you if that's if that's what floats your fancy, so uh, I definitely would put the old guard on here. Uh, the reason why I put the old guard on just missed the list. Uh, I think it's just because it came out a little bit earlier in the year, and I think just other stuff kind of just pushed it out of the way. That's pretty much why. And the last movie uh, is actually a more recent movie, and that's Wonder Woman 1984. I know that movie is getting a lot of buzz, uh, some good, some negative, uh, but the highly anticipated sequel uh, came out, and I don't want to get too into it because I think a, a lot of things that have been said about the movie have been said, and I agree with some of the things that have been said, and I don't agree with some other things, but I can see why they would they, they would come to that, and then I kind of see myself like being like, okay, yeah, I, I can see your point. Um. So I, I will, but I will say this: I think Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal were welcome additions to the to the movie. Uh, I think one of the big things for me personally was the scattered tones and ideas that made the sequel not as effective as it could have been. Um, it's chalk filled with great moments. Gal Gadot shines again as uh, as Diana as Diana. She plays Diane in this movie. She's not really Wonder Woman. She gets to play Wonder Woman every now and then, but she really is more Diana in this movie. She's not Wonder Woman a lot of the time. She is Diana Prince, uh, Diana of Themyscira. That's who she is in this movie. And I think that really works, but I don't think that's what people wanted. Or I think maybe that's what people wanted if it was in a better movie. Again, it's, it's a bit of a reach for its full potential. And I think there's a lot of things that, could have been done better a lot of things that should have been done better but uh i found myself it's okay it's an okay movie and i think i don't know where i would have put it i don't i didn't i didn't feel frustrated i didn't feel disappointed by i mean i was a little disappointed by it but i wasn't fully disappointed in it because there were some things that really worked in this movie and a lot of it it's not even like the action stuff it's really more of the personal stuff um and that's why i probably would have put it on the list uh, or put it, yeah, put it on the list, but I pushed it out because there was just other great stuff there. I know that might be controversial, but again, this is my list, this is my opinion, so bear with me on that. But um, yeah, there's that. Those are my just missed the list. Let's move on to other movies that are not put on the list, but they have their own little section because they are my surprises of the year. All right, let's start off with the first surprise of the year, and that was The Willoughbys. Uh, it's actually an adaptation of a children's story, uh, which I actually had never heard of. The animated feature follows the Willoughby children, whose parents show no interest in them whatsoever, and decide to get their parents out of the house for a while so they can live uh, freely. Uh, they, With their new freedom, uh, they get into some hijinks, as probably kids do, uh, and that includes a candy factory, a babysitter, and a cat that narrates their story that is voiced by Ricky Gervais. I didn't really know anything about this uh, until I was scrolling through uh, through Netflix and decided to, to play it. Uh, the movie's a lot of fun, and I, I didn't know, you know where it was going to go. I did feel that it was just a touch too long, even for an animated movie, but I would highly recommend The Willoughbys. Uh, the animation style itself is it's a little weird. Um, it's a little clunky, but I, I think it fits the, the story and going... 
going back and seeing some of the uh, the children's books that this drew from, it, it fits very much uh, the style of the books and everything. So, the Willoughby's go go check that out if you if you uh, if you haven't already. Uh, the next one is Vampires versus the Bronx. Uh, this is a, this is a coming of age um, vampire comedy movie that came out on Netflix uh, around October. And it follows three young children. Uh, all the actors, uh, the three young actors are pretty new to the scene. Uh, they find out that their uh, beloved Brooklyn neighborhood is slowly being genderfied and taken over uh, by, well, <laughs> by the title of the, the movie, Vampires. The movie is a lot, this is also a lot of fun. It it, it, uh, it falls a lot on the on the young cast members uh and the, their name Jaden michael uh gerald jones the third gregory davis the fourth or the sixth i can't read roman numerals uh anyway uh, but if the movie falls a lot on them and their chemistry together is great they're they carry the movie and you know child actors are always you know are always hit or miss and these three uh hit it on every level that they're given and a, a lot of the a lot of the movie falls on Jaden michael's character miguel uh for carrying a lot of the weight of the movie and he does great at it uh method man's in the movie in a very small role uh as father jackson and it's very method man uh it, it, it's a it's a nice little character it brings some levity to the movie i mean the movie's not really like you know heavy it's not uh you know it's not all horror-esque it's a, it's a very i would say this is a a, a a great little uh gateway horror movie for for younger audiences if you want to get your kids into horror movies this this would be a good movie to do um because it's not too scary it is scary enough for adults um you know it's not you know but it's not too scary where it's gonna scare the crap out of your kids uh too much it will scare them a little bit, but not too much. Uh, but yeah, this this I really liked it. It's 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 it, it's very fun. It has very uh, cool throwback feel. But yeah, go check this out if you haven't uh, if you haven't watched it. Uh, the next one is Work It. This is a movie I didn't think I'd enjoy at all. But again, this was like right in the middle of the pandemic. It was right at the summer. It was right at the start. So um, I'm giving a lot of movies leeway this year. This is Netflix's coming of age dance movie, uh, being a fan of the step up movies. And I will not be ashamed of that. Uh, they're just dumb fun. Uh, this one work it stars Sabrina Carpenter. Uh, she's, she was in the, uh, girl meets world series. She plays best friend. Uh, she stars here as Quinn, uh, who's trying to get into a college of her dreams and creates a lie that she's a part of a dance group despite not knowing how to, and has to enter a big dance competition to impress the uh, administrative uh, person uh, at the college she's, she's at. So along the way, she gets her best friend Jasmine, played by Lisa Koshy in the movie, uh, who hosts the new Double Dare on Nickelodeon. Uh, I know she was a, I think she was a big YouTuber um, before that. Uh, they form a, a group of dancers themselves, kind of a ragtag group, and not only enter the competition, but have to also beat the dance group at their school who has won the competition years prior. So honestly, I had zero intention of watching Work It, despite, again, my liking of the Step Up movies. Uh, thankfully, though, despite some of its cheesiness, because it is pretty cheesy, it's a coming of age dance movie. Um, and it's not really targeted toward me. It's targeted toward a younger audience. But Work It uh it works i'm sorry i'm sorry uh it works uh and a lot of that is thanks to the cast sabrina carpenter is a believable lead uh her chemistry with lisa koshi is 
really great. You believe that they're best friends. I think everyone on the on the cast got along. Uh, just seeing some uh, behind the scenes videos of everything that how the movie was made and stuff. They all have their moments. Uh, Kenyon uh, Lonsdale, I think that's how you pronounce. I, I always mispronounce his first name. Uh, but yeah, I think that's how you say. I think it's Kenyon. Uh, Kenyon Lonsdale. He plays. Um, the leader of the other dance group played Juilliard, and it makes more. It makes sense. I mean, you could probably assume, but it does make sense in the movie as well. Why they call him Juilliard? Um, he overplays it just a little bit, but uh, he plays a very nice antagonistic role to uh, our hero, quote unquote, hero group. It's good. It's entertaining. It's entertaining at the very least. Even if you, even if you don't like these movies, even if you know they're not targeted toward you, like this one was not really targeted toward me. Uh, even though, again, I like to step up movies. Uh, I, and yes, I will keep repeating that. Uh, I, I, I did enjoy it. It's, it's thoroughly enjoyable. It is a run-of-the-mill coming-of-age dance movie, but it's still very good. So that's worked it. And uh, the last surprise of the year will go to Underwater. Uh, this is a movie that came out fairly early in the year, and it's a movie that kind of just came out of left field, uh, finding out later on that this movie actually sat on the shelf for like three years before it was released. Uh, and I'm happy about that because Underwater uh, is led by Kristen Stewart, who is part of an oceanic research team who gets stuck deep underwater after their research rig is devastated by a mysterious earthquake. Of course, they are not all alone, deep, <laughs> very, very deep down in the in the ocean floor. Uh, underwater despite its its uh premise doesn't have a huge cast kirsten stewart is joined by john gallagher jr jessica henwick tj miller vincent cassell and like one other person uh played by newcomer i'm gonna mispronounce his name i just know it um mama dude at I, I don't think that's how you say it but uh he, he's he's still he's relatively a newcomer to everything uh tj miller does play the comic the the usual uh comic relief gallagher and uh henrik play members of the crew and cassell plays the um the captain of of the rig everyone has their moments everyone is great in the movie everyone just it, it's such a small cast for a, a lot of the, uh, of the movie that it just works and I think the less you know about Underwater, the better the experience, especially as the movie reaches its, its final act, um, which I was not prepared for at all. And I was very genuinely surprised in the direction that they took with that final act in the movie, because it was just it, when I was watching, I was like, no way they're doing that. That's cr no way. That's crazy. And it works and i actually just saw this again recently um because one of my sisters like had not seen it and we just put it on for her to watch and i just i sat there and i was kind of half paying attention because I, I you know i kind of already seen it. i had my laptop open but i just found myself paying attention more and more to the movie because i forgot how good it was i forgot how effective it was um so underwater is definitely one of if if i had to choose one of these movies as my biggest surprise of the year it would be underwater to be honest, only because it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, there wasn't that much promotion for it, I believe. I think there was only like one trailer and like a few TV spots that came out. And then the movie came out. I mean, the movie didn't make a lot of money at the box office from what I remember. Uh, not a lot of fanfare, but it has kind of found its its following now uh, um, in VOD. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that because uh, it's a very good movie. So if you have not watched Underwater, I highly recommend you watch Underwater. All right. Those are my surprises of the year. Uh, let's move on to the honorable mentions. But before I fully go into honorable mentions, I just want to note some other movies um, that were probably would have also made the list at some point if, you know, throughout the year, if just stuff hasn't, you know, 
stuff kind of pushed it out of the way. Those other notable movies are Bill and Ted Face the Music, Extraction, Lost Bullet, which is a movie on Netflix. It's a French movie if you're interested in that. It's a French action movie. Uh, Onward and Inmate Number 1, The Rise of Danny Trejo. That is a documentary um, about the life of Danny Trejo. And it's very, very good. Highly recommend you uh, you go watch that. But uh, yeah, so those are the other notable movies before I get to the honorable mentions, which I will start right now. By the way, if you haven't noticed, everything's in alphabetical order for the most part. Because I used to do, like I mentioned, I used to do like favorite, like best movies and like top tens and stuff like that. And I just stopped doing that. I just started doing everything in alphabetical order because I just thought it'd be easier. So the honorable mentions will start with Bad Boys for Life. Uh, the long-awaited third Bad Boys movie finally came out. And uh, it didn't really lose that much of a step. It kind of lost a little bit of a step, but not too much. You still know it's a Bad Boys movie. Uh, Will Smith and Marlon Lawrence, of course, returned as Mike and Marcus. Uh, Marcus finally leaving the force, and Mike, after a near-death experience in the movie, which, uh, despite not kind of knowing the outcome, it was still very effective, uh, trying to prove that he still has it uh, with a a new and younger uh, recruit and team called Ammo. not only that, Mike's past has come back to haunt him in an unexpected way. Uh, the wait was long for this one. Like I said, it was it was it's we've been waiting for this movie for a long time. Uh, there's new directors in tow uh, for the movie. They're taking over from Michael Bay. Uh, their names are Aldi uh, El Abi and. I'm mispronouncing their names. You guys know that already. And Balital Faba. Uh, Bad Boys for Life works for me admittedly uh because it's just a lot of fun just seeing will smith and martin lawrence just back together uh is just it's just fun just seeing them back together it's just yeah that's what it was it was like you know getting back together with uh some best friends despite that though admittedly there was a lot of retconning in the movie and the retconning that the movie does doesn't really land especially if you know the first two movies rather well and the illusion of that has a very it is very mixed at best for me. It's like okay, yeah, you can retcon some stuff. It's been long enough, maybe people forgot, but no, it, some of us like if you really love that first movie, and even if you really love the second movie, you know that some of the stuff that's said in this one is not the case because that's not what happened. Uh, the movie does lend itself to have some uh, future movies if they want to, and it's not done in an overly overly forced way, except of course for the retcon, but. Once you get past that, I think it, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And I, I really liked Bad Boys for Life. Uh, so the next honorable mention is a Bad Education. Uh, this is a HBO Films adaptation of the New York Times or the New York Magazine's article, The Bad Superintendent. Uh, Hugh Jackman plays a beloved superintendent, Frank Tosone, uh, who, along with his school district, uh, become the prime suspects of one of the biggest public school uh, embezzlement scandals uh, that people can remember. Uh, admittedly, I had very little knowledge about the scandal. Uh, and even even if you do, uh, I don't think it will ruin your enjoyment of the movie at all. Uh, Jackman is great here, like he always is when he's not playing Wolverine. It's always nice to see Hugh Jackman do something else other than Wolverine. I'm, I mean, again, uh, or Wolverine-like. Uh, but, you know, Jackman's a great actor. You know, just got to give him some stuff. And admittedly, I like his Wolverine too, but still. Uh, it's nice to see him. Uh, next to Jackman, though, um, we have Allison Janney, who is always reliable in pretty much anything that she does. And she pretty much steals the movie from him for a good chunk. I mean, Allison Janney's character is probably like in the first, I want to say, maybe 45 minutes of the movie. And then she kind of makes like sporadic little appearances for the rest of the movie. And then she kind of just disappears. So a lot of it goes back to falling on Jackman and he carries it. 
and this movie is very very good it's probably the outlier of all my choices this year not only because it was on cable but uh it's just it's completely different genre fare from the rest of the movies that i have but i highly recommend you go watch bad education if you haven't already the next uh movie on the honorable mentions list is birds of prey uh margot robbie of course returned as harley quinn who after publicly breaking up with the joker who does not really appear in the movie at all uh suddenly becomes a target for all the people she's wronged in gotham uh one of those people is uh roman senores play uh aka black mass played by Ian mcgregor who ends up using Quinn to get to Cassandra Kane, played by newcomer uh, Ella J. Bosco, who is in possession of something he desperately wants. In the meantime, Diana Lance, played by uh, Journey Smollett, uh, Renee Montoya, played by Rosie Perez, and The Huntress, played by Mary Elizabeth Winston, also come into the fray, leading to a big-time showdown. Um, I think we all agree that uh, after Suicide Squad, uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn was going to get her own movie. Uh, even though it wasn't officially announced, we all knew it was going to happen. And while the marketing push probably wasn't the best, uh, the title-wise, Birds of Prey is entertaining uh, enough to keep you invested in everything that's going on. It was enough to keep me invested in everything that was going on. The movie does slow down at certain parts, uh, which makes the overall movie a bit frustrating. But director Kathy Ann was able to make Harley a fully fleshed-out character. Um while also introducing some new fan favorite characters that people have been dying to see in, in, in a movie. Um, because Harley wasn't just eye candy anymore. Harley was an actual person. But you had all these new characters. You had the Huntress who, you know, ha- was had a nice little new take on her in the movie. Uh, you had Diana Lance, who, of course, is Black Canary in, in the comics. And we have her new take on that. Uh, we have Renee Montoya playing the cop. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, Ian McGregor playing Black Mask in a very interesting way, in a, in a way that I've never seen Black Mask played before. But uh, it really worked here. Um, but uh, you also had Victor Zayas, and for whatever, uh, Chris Messina plays uh, Victor Zayas in the movie. And uh, he played him in a very Victor Zayas way, but his own little take on it as well. And that, and that was very effective. I don't know what to really think in the movie, or I didn't know what to think about the movie before it came out. I should say, uh, I was rather worried that Warner brothers was just kind of just cashing in on the Harley property and it was going to give us a subpar movie. And I was truly surprised and enjoyed birds of prey for what it was. I thought it was, I I thought I I wasn't going to like it. And I did. And was it perfect? No, it was not perfect. Was it better than suicide squad? I mean, a lot of people out there like suicide squad. I'm not one of those people, but, uh, it, 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 it's a very good, uh, it's a, it's a very good harley quinn movie and there hasn't been a lot of harley quinn movies it was so that's probably the, not the right thing to say it was a very good team-up movie in the dc universe that there hasn't you know been a lot of movies in the dc universe is kind of in a spiral right now uh even at the time of this recording but um but yeah i don't know uh, i just really enjoyed it i i enjoyed it a lot more than it was it wasn't perfect there's was a lot of problems with it but uh i really enjoyed it the next movie, as an honorable mention, is Love and Monsters. Uh, this one also could have been in the surprise section, but I decided to put it here because um, I really liked it. 
Uh, I liked it more than I thought I would. It's a uh, in a monster-infested world where survivors now live in underground bunkers. Joel, played by Dylan O'Brien, uh, learns that the love of his life is only 80 miles away. Uh, not being the best in dangerous situations, as we see very early on in the movie, uh, Joe still ventures out to make the journey to reunite with his love while facing the deadly monsters along the way. Uh, I, like I mentioned, didn't expect much from Love and Monsters. I figured it would be kind of a dumb, fun family uh, adventure movie that would probably be forgettable by the by the end of the year or anything like that. But luckily, it, it isn't, and it wasn't. Uh, the movie rests solely on O'Brien's shoulders, and he he's done you know a few of these movies now. He's you know he's he he did the Maze Runner the Maze Runner movies. Um, I feel like O'Brien. There's just something. I mean, he I think he has. He has it. I think he does have it. But I think his movie choices are the things that are holding him back. And the thing that is making Hollywood from stopping Hollywood from pushing him to the moon. Um, I think he does have what it has. I think he does have what it takes. I think he just it's kind of the movies that he picks that either don't, you know, find the fanfare that people hope for or just they're not that all great in movies. Um but uh, a lot of it rests on O'Brien's shoulders, and he carries it uh, very, very well. Very, very well. There's a small, uh, there's a small cast here. Uh, Jessica Henwick, uh, speaking of her from Underwater, she appears in the movie. She actually plays uh, Joel's old girlfriend. Uh, there's two uh, small supporting roles in the movie uh, by Michael Rooker, uh, who pl- uh, Michael Rooker, who plays Clyde, and a very young actress uh, named Ariana Greenblatt, who plays uh, Minoro. Uh, there are two survivors that Joel meets along the way and kind of teach him, you know, the ways and, and the world, uh, what it is because they are going to a different destination than Joel is. And it, that whole section with them in it is, is really cool. It's really, it's really fun. But, uh, the whole design of the monsters and the world, it really works. It, it, it makes, it makes sense for, you know, what, what they were trying to do and, the movie moves at such a brisk pace that it only slows down really for an emotional beat. And that is surprisingly very effective and fitting for what the movie is and what it is and was um, at that point. And I think that is why I think it's mainly really that scene that made me put it here as an honorable mention. Um, And it's, Dylan O'Brien. It's just Dylan O'Brien being him. And I, that's that's what I really like about that. So, there you go. The next honorable mention on the list is uh, a newer movie as well. It's uh, I'm debating about moving this because... to I'm debating about moving this to my favorites because I think the more I think about it, I think the more it is, it is very good. But I'm going to leave it here, but just know that this could easily go in the in my favorite movies of the year as well. It's an honorable mention regardless, but still. Soul, Pixar's Soul. Joel, played by Jamie Foxx, finally uh, gets his big break as a musician, and then he suddenly uh, dies and is transported to a realm called Youth Seminar where souls are getting ready to go back to Earth. Uh, Joel is then tasked with helping a rebellious soul named 22, played by Tina Fey, uh, to find her purpose. Uh, all the while, Joe is trying to find his way back to his body so he can finally make the gig. Pixar really went out of their way to just really give us the basics of the movie and not show any footage, really, of the second half of the movie. 
Uh, COVID may have helped with that a little bit. You know, this movie was supposed to come out in theaters. It was supposed to come out, I think it was supposed to come out in the middle of the summer, and then they pushed it to November, and then finally, you know, it came out on Disney+. Plus. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can, you can go watch it there. But not knowing anything besides the first half of the movie, I think really helps this movie because it just, it doesn't give you all of what the movie really is. I didn't know where Soul lands on my Pixar rating. I, I want to say it's near the middle for sure. Uh, like upper middle in the Pixar ratings and the Pixar movies of all time. Uh, but I can say that I really enjoy this movie. I would recommend it to people because this movie is a secretly funny. There's a lot of humorous moments in this movie that I think once you sit down and you realize what they were, what they were trying to accomplish is, is very, very good. But more importantly, it's filled with a lot of heart. Um, I didn't go with soul there because you know, I did it with work it. I won't do it here. Um, it, it has a lot of heart in the movie. And I think the overall message that the that the movie was trying to make, uh, which comes at the very end of the movie, is very, very timely. And it's, at the end of the day, it is a beautiful message with great animation and music even if you're not a jazz fan, because the movie is about a, a jazz player, uh, even if you're not a jazz fan, it's it has a great score by Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor, who did it. Uh, I forgot they were doing the score for this, and then I was watching the end credits, and I was like, oh, that's, what? Uh, I didn't realize. I totally forgot that it was Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor. It is, it's a beautiful movie. It really is. It, it is. It's a movie that if you sit down, maybe you won't get it the first time, but if you watch it again... Yeah, you will get it, and it's it's a beautiful message, and and especially what's what's going on now. I think, um, Pixar, those beautiful bastards, they did it again. So there you go. Uh, and the last honorable mention that I will talk about is the Gentleman. Uh, that is Guy Ritchie's return to the gangster uh, subgenre. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays a marijuana kingpin uh, himself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he plays a marijuana kingpin in London who was looking to get out of the game. Unfortunately, his leaving puts a big target on his back and new players wanting to move in on his territory sooner rather than later. Uh, Richie has uh, made a name for himself uh, doing these gangster crime subdrama movies like uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. Uh, I'll even put Rock and Roll rock and in there. I, don't, I know a lot of people don't like Rock and Roll. I'm probably in the very small handful of people that like rock and roll. Um, so this is his return and was rather welcoming. And it's a great one at that. Um, McConaughey puts, um, McConaughey fits rather, uh, the role perfectly. Uh, Charlie Hunnam plays his right hand man named Ray, uh, who has a lot of scenes with him, but also has a lot of scenes with, uh, Hugh Grant's character named Fletcher. And Hugh Grant is steals this movie. He chews, up every scene he's in and it's and it works and it's so so good uh we also got colin farrell in there jeremy strong's in there as well henry golden shows up at, at he's kind of the antagonist of the movie um and just trying he's kind of uh making a name for himself in, in the movie itself i would highly recommend the gentleman it's very very good um if you haven't seen it already if you were on the fence about it go watch it it's very very good it's very entertaining there is there is something there's this weird subplot in the middle of the movie that doesn't make any sense but it's it's guy Ritchie, so i i'm assuming he, he does this in his other movies where there's subplots where it's like 
what does this have to do with the rest of the movie? And you kind of realize maybe at the end there's some connection, but not really. Um, so yeah, there's there's a weird subplot in the middle of the movie that just it kind of throws everything off, but it, it's it just gives you a better sense of who these characters are at the end of the, at the end of the day. So there you go. Uh, before I get to my best or my favorite movies of the year, I should say, there are uh, other movies that I watched this year. I watched a lot of movies this year. Not as much, not not as many as I have other years. I'm going to give you an example of of how much COVID has affected uh, my movie watching. Uh, so in 2018, I watched, and these, these are all new movies, by the way, new movies that, these are not old movies, these are all new movies that were released either in theaters, film festivals, or streaming services. So in 2018, I watched 115 movies. In 2019, I watched 113 movies. This year, of all the new movies that came out in theaters for those three months, of all the movies that came out on VOD, on streaming services, that I actually got the chance to watch, I watched 71. (laughs) That is a massive drop. And that's, you know, that's, you know, not including like all these new movies that came out that I, I knew were there. I just didn't get a chance to watch it. I didn't get a chance to watch them. Uh, and I'm, I'm really upset about that. Uh, so here's the movies that, uh, that I missed that I really wanted to watch that I'm assuming would have made it on one of my lists this year. And these are the highlighted ones. These are the ones that I really wanted to watch. Just, I just didn't get a chance to watch. Uh, Just Mercy, The Lodge, The Way Back, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, Emma, The Five Bloods, which I'm really upset about, uh, Possessor, which is another one I'm really upset about, uh, Come Play, uh, Mank, The Devil All the Time, The Trial uh, of the Chicago 7, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Those are all movies that came out this year that I did not get a chance to watch. Now, obviously, I will watch a lot of these movies. Uh, the Crude's A New Age was on that list, but I actually watched that um, earlier this I actually watched that, I think, New Year's Day? No, it was a day. So it was, I watched it on the second. So I'm not going to count it on the list because, you know, um, I'm, I'm, there are certain rules that I will follow. <laughs> but uh, those are all the movies that I missed that I watched that would have ended. And by the way, The Crew's The New Age probably would have ended up on my, probably just missed the list category, to be honest, just of everything else that I watched. But yeah, there you go. Uh, you want to know what other movies I watched uh, that didn't make the list whatsoever? Uh, here we go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rattle them off. I'm not gonna go into them at all. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge, The Lovebirds, My Spy, Greyhound, Guns and Kimbo, Mulan, The Babysitter, Killer Queen, The Columnist, which is actually a movie from a film festival, uh, The Rhythm Section, VFW, Doolittle, uh, Blood Quantum, Superman, Red Sun, Scoob, Answer the Fat Dragon, Irresistible, Project Power, Greenland, uh, Misbehavior, Alona Holmes, which almost made my just missed the list by the way, uh, scare me, get the hell out, which was a movie from, uh, a film festival hunted, which was also a movie from the film festival, which will actually come out on shutter. I believe this month or in February, one of those two, uh, black bear, also another film festival movie shadow in the cloud, which actually came out, uh, already it came out. Uh, I think it came out this week. Yeah. This week, uh, which I would, I guess I would recommend uh, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, new, the new mutants rogue super intelligence, Honest Thief and Freaky. Those are all the other movies that I watched this year. Uh, 71 total new movies I watched. But that is a lot. That is quite a lot. All right. So that being said, let's move on to the big list. My favorites of the year. Uh, this for, this one, it, it's I always find it weird with these movies because people always put them on the year they came out. But I always consider 
for me, once a movie comes out wide release where I am, even though we're kind of a big market here in Chicago, we're not as big of a market like L.A. or New York. Um, so my first movie is 1917. And again, that falls under the limited release, wide release bubble. Uh, it came out in L.A. and New York, you know, in 2019. But I didn't see it in 2020 until this year, to, or not large, 2019. It's the last year, 2020, because it didn't get a wide release here in here in uh, Chicago until 2020. So 1917 uh, falls under that, but I'm still putting it here because, I mean, come on. It follows two soldiers on a time-sensitive mission. Uh, Sam Mendes, who directs the movie, decided to not only make a war movie, but make it a one-continuous-looking take war movie with Roger Deakins in charge of cinematography. It's beautiful to look at. Um, you really do feel the massive weight on uh, on the shoulders of these characters. There's the the scene where the bombs are going off and one of the characters is running away. That's a highlight of the movie. It's it's just it's so good. It really it really is so good. And I it, I just I I I love that movie. I really do. Uh, so the next movie, uh, my favorites, is Palm Springs. It's I would have put this as one of my biggest surprises of the year, uh, one of my breakout movies of the year, especially of the summer. Uh, this came out on Hulu, uh, and it takes the Groundhog Day concept and turns it into kind of a romantic comedy drama, For if you want to just mix all those together. Uh, it follows Annie Samberg, uh, who plays a character named Niles, who is stuck in a time loop uh, at a wedding and eventually, by accident, drags another character, Sarah, played by... Uh, Christine, uh, I always mispronounce the last name. Meloni? Uh, that's not Meloni. Um, I always mispronounce. She's the, the, the one that ended up playing the mother in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Um, she falls into the same time loop as well. Um, Palm Springs, it, it interestingly, came out on uh, as the pandemic here in the States was really kicking off as well. And it was a movie that definitely needed, that we needed at the time. Because not only is like, okay, these characters are stuck in the same situation we are. But it's 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 funny, it's charming, it's it's rough to watch sometimes, you know, seeing these characters. You know, there's there's a point in the movie where these characters are just yelling at each other. Um and you just feel it. It you just feel it. It works so well. It's a well polished movie. Um and never feels like it's repeating itself despite the fact that it's, you know, a, a repeated loop. Um Sandberg is terrific in this movie. You know, everyone knows Annie Sandberg for his comedic stuff, but here, while he does have his comedic moments, it's a different side of him. He's actually playing the character straight. He's playing him as a dramatic role. I mean, this, this guy has also been in the time loop. He doesn't know how long he's been in the time loop. There's never this magical character that comes to him and be like, oh, you've been in this time loop for, you know, thousand days, you know, years or whatever. Um, we just know he's been there for a while. And it's it's heartbreaking to, to see that. And you kind of see that. And it's, you know, he kind of lets his guard down at, at some point and you, you hear him, you, you know, you can hear it. it's like, yeah, I've been here stuck. I don't know how long I've been stuck here. And it's, it's great. Um, I mean, it's great. It's great to watch him, you know, spread out and do new things. It's, it's great to see him not just be the comedic character all the time. Uh, we have JK Simmons in here as well. He pops in a small, in a small role as Roy. Uh, I won't spoil how he's involved, but, um, it's very, very good. It's very JK Simmons. Uh, and it's very good. So I do highly recommend Paul, Sp uh, Palm Springs. If you haven't watched it, it just, it, it feels different. You know, the groundhog day concept has kind of been 
done to death and a lot of times it's not done right but i think palm springs i I would put palm springs right there with happy death day and the modern movies that take that groundhog day concept and flip it on its head and do something different and unique that have done it very that have done it successfully i would say so yeah uh the next movie uh and my favorites is uh the invisible man Lebanon's new take on the Invisible Man sees Elizabeth Moth's uh, Cecilia, the target of the new titled character, uh, who was in an abusive uh, relationship uh, beforehand. Um, the Invisible Man, uh, Adrian, his name, yeah, his name is Adrian. Um, he is presumed dead, and Cecilia, of course, does not believe that, because uh, especially, especially after she starts experiencing uh, weird incidents and begins to think that um, there's something following her. And she's right, because it is the Invisible Man. Uh, Wanell made waves with his previous dictatorial effort in Upgrade. Um, Upgrade was actually on my favorite movies of the year, uh, I believe, last last year when it came out. I hope it was. It better have been, because um, I really like that movie. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this had a lot of eyes on it. And add in the failed Dark Universe aspect that Universal was going for. We won't talk about that. Um, Wanell stepped up to the plate, and it hit a home run. This new literation of the story is just what the material needed and needed kind of an upgrade and has executed right with a strong performance by the always reliable Elizabeth Moss. Winnell saw a direction. And this, so as a thriller, as a horror, it works effectively, but I think it works even more because you have the concept of the Invisible Man and it takes the and it justifies the paranoia of someone escaping an abusive relationship with a sci-fi twist. Um, and I think that works so well. I think it, it works so perfectly. And, and I almost called her by her character's name. And Elizabeth Moths as Cecilia delivers such a great performance and you really believe her. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you believe her because you know, she's telling the truth, but you can also see maybe, maybe she's not seeing what she's seeing sometimes. Although we do kind of see that she, you know, there's a point in the movie where she gets beaten up by the invisible man, but if you're another character in that world and you start experiencing this and you know what she's gone through, you can see why she, you know, she's maybe not telling the truth and anything like that. So I just thought it, it was very effective. It's a very effective horror, a very effective thriller. I don't want to call it a horror movie. I want to call it a thriller. Uh, I think a lot of people are calling it thriller and maybe some people are calling it a horror movies. Who knows? But I think I see it more as a thriller, not a horror movie. Although the concept of an invisible man potentially being the person that you were in an abusive relationship with probably is a horror movie in itself. So call it what you will and i have one more movie and this is a movie that i don't think a lot of people i don't think i I haven't seen enough people talk about this movie and it it is relatively new it came out uh in december on a platform that maybe not a lot of people have and that's uh wolf walkers this is currently on apple tv plus if you want to get like a free trial and watch the movie i highly recommend you do that uh this is a movie i knew nothing about i absolutely knew nothing about this movie this is around the film festival uh, circuit time. So my brother got a screener for the movie in October. And I was sitting, so I've, I've been sitting on this one for a while because I didn't even do a written review for it. Uh, it's an animated feature and it's drawn to look like a children's book. And it follows Robin, who is uh, voiced by Honor. I'm going to mispronounce her last name. Uh, Neefsi? That's probably not. It's probably not how you say it. Uh, who I don't know why I'm whispering. Uh, along with her hunter father, voiced by Sean Bean, uh, they are sent to Ireland to hunt a pack of troublesome wolves. However, 
when Robin befriends a free-spirited girl named Mabe, uh, voiced by Eva Whitaker, who has a strong connection to the wolves and learns the, the local legend of the Wolf Walkers. Um, not knowing anything about the movie, uh, that really added to my enjoyment of the movie. Uh, the story of two young girls becoming friends despite their differences, uh, which connects the overall story, really, is just so pure and so fun to watch, especially with the animation style, that it doesn't, and if that doesn't do it for you, the animation should. I mean, this movie looks so good. I was awestruck by how great the animation the animation is from beginning to end. It never lets up. It literally does look like a child's book come to life. And it works so, so well. The score is great. The, the, the voice acting is, is great in here as well. It's, it's a fun, it's, it's, it's a story that's not afraid to go to that certain place, uh, at some point. And it's just, it's really good. I, I, I have nothing but great things to say. It's, it's, it's a very, it was a risk making, uh, having, having the movie look the way it is, but it works so, so well in the story. It's not, you know, fully out there. You can kind of, I, I, I've been looking for anything that says this movie is based off a children's book. It's not at least from what I was able to find. Um, so it's very good. It's very, very good. So do yourself a favor and go watch Wolf Walkers. If you, even if you don't like it, uh, suggest it to, you know, someone that, you know, maybe has kids so they can go watch it. It's very, very good. Highly recommend Wolf Walkers. Um, I would say it's probably my favorite animated movie of the year. I really would. It's, it's very, very, very good. Um, okay. And that's it. I'm done. Finally. <laughs> I'm, I, I want to run through the list again, but that's just way too many movies. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'll run down the, my, uh, I guess I'll run down this now. Nah, now nah, I'm not going to run it down. You've heard my voice enough. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so those are all my movies, uh, my surprises, my frustrating movies of the year, my, dis- my, not my disappointments, my least liked movie, favorite movies of the year. And of course my favorite movies of the year right here with, uh, with you guys. And, um, this is usually the part where I would go and tell you guys my most anticipated movies of the year. Uh, but we don't know what's going to happen this year. COVID's still around. People are still acting like idiots. I will be honest. And I'm recording this section after the terrible incident in, uh, DC with people running into the Capitol building. This, I'm recording this, this recording this section the same day that that's happened. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I try you guys, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I try to avoid any sort of political things going on. I always try to avoid uh, talking about the real world and stuff like that because it's just a place where I want to talk about movies, where I just want to be an idiot and say my dumb movie opinion and thoughts here to you guys, anyone who's listening. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, when it comes to you know going back to the movie theaters... It's probably going to be a very long time. I don't, I don't think we'll be going back to the movie theater anytime soon. So maybe I'll, you know, there are movies that are coming out this year. There are stuff that's coming out like on HBO Max. You know, Warner Brothers had that huge announcement that they were releasing their entire 2021 slate on HBO Max and theaters same day. Uh, so we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of those movies uh, coming out. I think one of them's coming out later this, later this, um, later this month. The Denzel movie with Rami Malek, uh, The Little Things. Uh, maybe I'll do like a little feature on that. Um, 
later now that I'm going to start doing more podcasts for you guys. But um, yeah, I'll have to figure that out, uh, what we're going to do about that. But uh, movies coming out in theaters and stuff like that. But there's there's movies coming out. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't want to you know mark anything down because stuff can get pushed back again and again which is the the way the world is going right now it doesn't look like we'll be going anywhere back to normal anytime soon uh at least not safely and effectively as we should have by now because the rest of the world is laughing at us because they've taken the measures to protect themselves and try to go back to a normal way of life but we're good old america but yeah that's it okay that's that's as far as i'll go with uh political stuff but uh thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast i I know i have been away for quite a while and i have many thoughts on what this the future of the podcast will be um but for right now we're just i'm just gonna keep recording i'm just gonna keep enjoying it and if anything changes i will obviously let you guys know so check out the description below uh the show slash show notes so you guys can look at all the the links to follow me elsewhere if you're listening on youtube uh make sure to hit that subscribe and like button uh maybe comment down below some of your favorite movies of the year if you're following me or if you're listening to this on stitcher on spotify or apple podcasts make sure to hit that follow button as well hit that uh rating button leave me some reviews really appreciate it really help out the podcast in the long run and um go follow me on uh, social media again those links will be down there as well keep you that that was the best place to keep up to date on what's going to happen up with the podcast and stuff like that so thank you guys so much once again uh hopefully this is uh, 2020 was uh, quite a year let's hope that 2021 is better although it's 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 not starting off great guys it, it really hopefully this is the reverse hopefully it's the reverse of 2020 uh, hopefully everything bad happens in, at the beginning of 2021 and then the later half of 2021 is perfect it's fine it, it's normal or somewhat normal i mean going back to the way things used to be it's not really not really saying much uh but hopefully just it gets better hopefully it just gets better all right thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast uh if you want to let me know what your favorite movies of the uh were you can uh, go hit me up on any of those social media platforms or on youtube or anything like that so thank you guys i know you'll find a way uh so thank you guys so much remember be good people wear your mask wash your hands just be safe and all all importantly just be safe don't be stupid don't do anything stupid and uh yeah that's it thank you guys i will see you guys uh hopefully next week for another new podcast and um yeah, take care. Woo woo! Yeah! Give it up! Movies!